Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, July 7th, 2016. Today we are reading in the big book, and we are on page 80, the very first paragraph. Today's readers are Cheryl S. on the 12 Steps, Lisa B. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Rebecca F., Penny C., and Anita J. OA Preamble. Oh, I'm sorry. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, July 6th, is 8895. That's 8895. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Cheryl S. to read the 12 steps. Yes, good morning. Cheryl S. from Maryland, grateful, newly recovered, oh, compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to um, other compulsive food addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Cheryl S. I will now ask Lisa B. to read the 12 traditions. 
Good morning. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your share into the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 80, the very first paragraph, and I will ask Rebecca F. to read that first paragraph. Thank you. Good morning. This is Rebecca F. from Connecticut, a compulsive overeater. Before taking drastic action, which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. If we have obtained permission, have consulted with others, asked God to help, and the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. So 
I remember that this word shrink was also used recently. So I turned back one page onto 79, and at the end of the first full paragraph, it also says we must not shrink at anything. So I decided to look up what the definition of the word shrink means, and it means move back or away, especially because of fear or disgust. And I got to thinking about how we must not move back or away, especially because of fear. And, you know, these steps are in order. And back on step four, we did an entire fear inventory. And now we're um, righting the wrongs that we did that happened as a result of our resentments, our fears, and our sex conduct issues. So at this point, we've said the fear prayer and we've asked God to remove these fears from us and direct our attention to what he would have us be so that by the time we're in step nine, we're prepared not to shrink. And um, it also says in the same sentence, um, we asked God to help. So yes. We did ask God to help when we were doing our fear inventory. And um, believe it or not, God helps when we ask him to help. And that's been my experience and the experience of uh, the people who wrote this book and all the others, all of you others on the line who have recovered as well. So, um So that was one thing that came to mind. And then the other thing is that just to remind us what step nine is, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So um, we don't take any drastic action that might injure others, might implicate another person until we make sure that we're not going to be injuring others. So how do we do that? We don't do that on our own. We do that by getting permission, by asking our fellows, often it's our sponsor, to help us um, determine what would be a real amends rather than causing more wreckage and, um, and to ask God. And then the third thing that came to mind about this paragraph is the whole notion that I am very egotistical and um, that is basically what got me into this mess to begin with, um, that I wasn't willing to um, do what I was told a lot of the time. I was a rebel without a cause. And one of the main purposes of these steps is for me to become humble. And by being willing to talk to other people and to ask God for help and ask other people for help in um, seeing their perspective on what I've done wrong and trusting that they can be objective and I can't, it, and then making the amends, all those acts uh, get me down to right size. And with that, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Rebecca F. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Not M. Yes. Okay, M and Tina S. And who else? Charles H. Charles H. Kim G. Kim Larry. Kim G. Larry K. Okay. Shannon S. Uh, who was that last one? Shannon S. Shannon S. Okay, let's stop there for now. So I have Matt M, Tina S, Charles H, Kim G, Larry K, and Shannon S. And please remember our three-minute time limit. Thank you. Go ahead, Matt. Can you hear me? I can. Hi. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. My name is Matt M. I'm a compulsive over eater from New Jersey. Uh, this paragraph, um, I really recognize the last sentence. Like, we do not shrink from making, from making our amends. I have a few of those on my list, but I am willing to make them because I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to stay in the disease. Like, I had this one amends that I had to make in my day program that I go to. I stole um, a bunch of food, ice cream, and other food um, from the area where they have where they make lunch. They have a little snack bar where you can buy food. And at first I was thinking that my brain was telling me, oh, my God, they're going to kick you out. They're going to kick you out. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. But then I realized this is the kind of crap that I will eat over eventually because it's not always the big things. It's sometimes it's the little things that would that, that cause me to pick up because last time I got to the ninth step, I um I fell off the wagon. And that's, that's common for a lot of people because it's not an easy step to do because we have to go to people we sometimes don't want to talk to or we have to admit to things that we're not proud of. I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of that I have to make up make amends for. And some of those amends are living amends. It's not just saying I'm sorry. It's actually um, changing the behavior to where, to where I am now. And it's not an easy process sometimes, you know. Sometimes it's like that disease is talking to you, talking to me, telling me, like, you know, you can't do this. What are you doing? You're going to ruin your life if you admit this. Just just like that guy in the big book talking about, he ruined his rival, how he took the money and never said anything about that he took it, and his business rival was ruined. But he was willing to take that drastic step and got up in front of the whole congregation there at church. So I mean, I'm doing that myself, one, one amends at a time. And uh, I'm looking forward to going through the rest of this process, you know, one step at a time, one day at a time with my sponsor, who I really feel I'm, I'm being honest with, as honest as possible as I can be with. And uh, thank you very much for letting me share. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Matt. Um, um, Tina S., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy, for your service. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow. For such a small paragraph, uh, many, many instructions there. And I'm very grateful for that because, you know, on my own, I always think I know what I need to do when I need to do it. And that actually gets me a seat in several 12-step programs, and, you know, and I'm really grateful that I had a sponsor who had done this before, who had a sponsor that had done this before, to give me some instruction and to go over a plan with her, and, um, you know, and and we can, uh, which, uh, it says, we take drastic action which might implicate other people. We secure their consent. You know, I ask people, you know, to get together for this stuff. You know, we have obtained permission, consulted with others, you know, ask God to help and not to shrink, you know, and, uh, you know, initially I had this great plan. I, I'm, I live in Florida, 
when I first uh, did my ninth, my first ninth step I ever did, you know, I went back to Pennsylvania and I had this plan of what I was going to do. Well, obviously God didn't present any of those opportunities, so I wasn't able to make any amends at that time. And you know, and I'm sure it wasn't time to make those amends. And and uh, uh, you know, I also had made amends down in here in Florida, and I was like, oh God, I know these people are going to, you know, not accept it, say whatever. And they did. They acted exactly the way I was supposed to, and I would act that way too. You know, I'd caused harm. You know, I couldn't ex- expect these people to, you know, to ju- jump right back into a friendship. But over time and over me changing my behaviors, you know, I was able to have that happen. And, you know, and I'm real grateful today that I have instruction and that I have guidance and that, you know, no matter what happens in this step, God presents the opportunity exactly when it's needed. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. And Charles H., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy K. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Thank you so much. Charles H., a recovered composer over here just for today. I want to just drill down on we must not shrink at anything. I just love that because, um, you know, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. Uh, you know, even Region 6 and all these conventions, you know, I, I owe amends, man. I did some, 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 some lame tent tradition stuff that I shouldn't have done. And uh, and I was ready to pop one of them people like, yeah, you shouldn't be taking videos and all that. And I owe some people amends, definitely. And, and at World Service, I'm I'm going up in there and I'm gonna make the and, and change behavior, man. That's what the amends is about. I can't shrink, you know. I, I do have a big ego and I gotta deflate that thing, man. You know what I'm saying? So I'm gonna, you know, I'm getting prepared. I got a couple of weeks, uh, a couple a month and some change to get prepared. And I, and, and I come on the line to uh, strip my, myself naked so that <laughs> um, I get another day of freedom. Leah always said how free you want to be. Um, so, you know, I'm just saying that to say that it ain't over yet, and, and, and um, I can't shrink. You know, i got to continue. I, I go to AA meetings looking for people that's looking for to, um, to come into OA. I really do because, you know, I was that desperate case. I go hard with it, man. i got to go hard because I went hard in the food. I can't shrink. There's more amends. You know, I want to I wanna drill down where um, my man Fritz, and, and I was talking to a couple of recovered AA people, and they were like, you know, deep down inside every man is the consciousness of a God. Um, so, you know, in the clothes, deep down inside is some amends I, I'm not ready to let go of. And that's the consciousness of God. When I get down deep down in my gut, in my, the gooks of my intestines, and, and dig for them resentments, dig for them fears, dig for them shame, dig for them guilt, I become free because there's no no more no no more shackles, no more chains. I'm free. I don't care if you want to laugh. I don't care if you judge me because those who judge don't count. Those who count don't judge. But I want to be free, free from all of those breaks of traditions, free from all those things that I've done in the past. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles H. And Kim G., please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, all. My name is Kim Jean. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, drastic action and we must not shrink. You know, this we are at step nine now. And the reason I'm prepared to do this drastic action, the reason, the reason I'm not going to shrink is because I've done steps one through eight. Now, I don't know about you guys, but many years in a way what I would do is I'd put down the food and then try to make an amends the next day. So what my amends would look like when I didn't do steps one through eight was, 
Okay, guys, I'm an accident. Even though you're a jackass, and let me tell you the reasons you're a jerk, um, I'm going to forgive you because I'm holy now, and that's what I'm supposed to do. So you know what? Even though you're a jerk, I'm going to forgive you. That's not an amends. In fact, anything, that's an attack. So the reason I can take this drastic action and the reason I'm not going to shrink is because of all the information I learned before. But I just kind of want to review. What is the posture that we're going into this amends? It's telling me I need to be calm, frank, and open. Can't do that unless I do steps one through eight. It's telling me his faults can't be discussed. I can't do that unless I do steps one through eight. It's telling me to use tact and common sense. Those are not qualities I had before I did steps one through eight. And it's telling me I have to go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing my former ill feeling and expressing my regret. And I can't do that unless I'm doing this work. Those, those prayers in step four, I used to leave them in step four. We have a sick man's prayer, a fear prayer, three relationship prayers. I need to utilize those prayers in order to do this step nine, and I need to utilize those prayers to live in 10, 11, and 12. And one of the ways it was explained to me is when I go into an amends, they, someone described it as the four A's. And basically they took parts of this nine-step instructions and it just simplified it for me. So the things I have to do is ask for forgiveness from them. I'm not asking for me to be forgiven. I'm asking, to, I'm, I mean, I'm asking them to forgive me. It's not about me forgiving them. I need to admit that I am wrong and be specific about it. I need to ask what I can do to make it right. I need to ask, is there anything else I need to know? And this is drastic action. I just want to stress this because what I often find, we hear these nine, eight, nine-step promises, and it says these will happen before we are halfway through. And what my experience is and what I see others do is when those promises start to come true and we get the results, screw the rest of the work. I'm not going to follow through with those amends because I'm feeling good. So the question is, I spent my whole life trying to feel good. And I have to ask myself, do I want to feel better or do I want to get better? And today I want to get better. And that means not just making the amends until I feel better, but making sure that every amends is completed so I can experience freedom instead of the temporary respite that I often experience in OA. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Larry K., please go ahead. Hi, Kathy. Uh, thanks for your service. Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, you know, I, I, I created a lot of wreckage in my life, uh, you know, before I got the program. And, and making amends are, are simply telling the person we harmed the truth about, you know, our actions. And I'm going to trust that the, the healing and restoration, that, that's up to my higher power. I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not healing myself and restoring myself. That's up to my higher power. But it, it does take courage and it, it takes some prudence. It takes some good judgment. And, you know, thankfully we, you know, we're, we're seeking the guidance of someone who's been through this process. You know, we must not shrink, you know, from, from this deal um, in, of making amends. The one thing, you know, amends should not be our, our kind of installment payments, you know, on, on false guilt or false shame. So in other words, if I'm only looking to clear my conscience, at the expense of, of someone else who's going to feel terrible, well, that's not going to do. That's not going to work. So amends are about genuine change in my behavior instead of, a, of the patchwork of an apology. I've got to be willing to change my behavior. 
You know, we, we take on a whole new way of life. I'm, I'm going to stop accumulating, you know, these fresh insults to myself, but to others as well. And we want to stop, you know, we, we, we need to kind of step away from, you know, these further antagonisms uh, and ongoing resentments. I mean, that's, that's the thing about this process. But, you know, God's going to do the heavy lifting. That's what I, I know today. I didn't know it then when I was going through the process. I had to trust in the process. I had to have the courage. It takes courage to trust in the process. But the thing was is that these promises, it wasn't about, you know, when I came in, it was about, well, you know, maybe this obsession will be lifted. It was still a bit about me. What I didn't know that I do know today, only because I experienced it, is that, is that the God of my understanding was going to change me. Each step was built on another one. And there were changes that I couldn't anticipate, could not anticipate until I would see that in hindsight, that, oh, okay, now I know because I've experienced it. And so that's, with the amends, you really need guidance. If you, I tried to do this, you know, kind of go this alone while well, I was always kind of an isolationist and I would go this alone, that's not going to work so well because I'm still playing God. That's not going to work with this process. I needed, I needed other people that had been through this process. They had already experienced some of these promises. So i um, grateful for this step, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Shannon S., please go ahead. Hi there, this is Shannon S. Okay, so what I've been learning through this process for myself to an even deeper level is that I see similarities between this process and a lot of the things that I do in my profession. And this journey has all been about getting out of my head and into my heart and the body. And I, I, the word shrivel really gets highlighted in this paragraph. And I always see that um, there's an expansion and contraction phase of life. And the word shrivel um, looks like the contraction where the fear that if we allow it to continue on shrivels up our body, our mind, and physically and emotionally. And that is where illness manifests. Um, but the expansion is the willingness to open up and go through this process and make amends. And the vision that I always see is like um, the caterpillar that's breaking out of the cocoon to be a butterfly. It's hard to get out of that cocoon. It takes some struggles, but it's so worth it because then we get to experience the freedom to fly. Um, so just I keep always visioning, um, envisioning that process when I get tired on doing um, the steps that I'm working on um, and, and climbing this mountain. But I do remember that this is um, it, it's worth it, and it, it's worth um, doing what is challenging to confront those people um, and um, right the wrongs and um, amend these relationships so that um, peace can be manifested, not necessarily just for ourselves, but for um, a holistic approach as well. So I am incredibly grateful for this paragraph to mention that if we shrivel up from fear, um, that road doesn't look so promising. So when I see that, it's like, well, it's either that or, you know, expand, open up and do this process and um, do these amends. Um, even if it's hard to break out of that cocoon, it's worth it. I'd rather take that process versus the other road. 
Uh, so with that, that's just my reflection for today. I pass. Thank you, Sharon S. Are there others who would like to share on this paragraph? Suji. Nessa R. Suji, Nessa R. Judy F. Judy F. Anyone else? Shoshana K. from Maryland. Shoshana K. Anyone else? Okay, um, so we have Sue G, Nessa R, Judy F, and Shoshana K. Please go ahead, Sue G. Good morning, Sue G from Michigan, uh, recovering, uh, recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you for your service. Um, I went back because when it said consult, uh, we have obtained permission. I'm thinking, well for what type of amends and um, it didn't really explain it to me completely but what I'm thinking of I can think think of an incident where two people are involved Uh, one doesn't know and the other does know but I might have to get permission from her to tell the one who doesn't know. And I think in the case that I'm thinking of, it would hurt the person who does know too much because it's been so long ago and it would just open a wound so badly. And to tell the person who doesn't know Uh, might be relieving for me, but it certainly wouldn't be for that other person that doesn't know. And But I think that's what they're referring to, is getting permission first. Um, I've got a neighbor that I've hurt, and she knows about it. But the neighbor across the street who is also involved doesn't know about it, but I harmed her. I would get permission from the neighbor next door first. I would also ask for advice from other people, from my sponsor, from God. Um, I could be wrong, but I think that's what they're referring to about getting permission. But I don't think your sponsor would give you permission. God might give you permission. Um, but it already mentions going to God for help. So with that, I pass, and thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Suji. And Nessa R., please go ahead. Hi, thank you. Good morning. This is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto. I, I also want to talk about the fact that, um, you know, the uh, inventory process and certainly the recovery process doesn't start um, on step nine and making amends. Um you know, it obviously starts at step one, and, and in that in that um, line of thought, the word drastic is mentioned twice in this paragraph here on top of page 80, um, you know, before taking drastic action, and this drastic, this drastic step is indicated we must not, we must, we must not shrink. Um, this is not the first time we are told 
that this is a drastic process. Uh, we've been building up to it, and we've been told from almost the very beginning of the book in the uh, Bill's story in his recovery, he tells us, the, uh, page 14, these were revolutionary and drastic proposals, but the moment I fully accepted them, the effect was electric. Then I am told the same thing again um, on page 42 in um, um, more of alcoholism, but the program of action, uh, page 42, uh, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. And then I'm told again in page 76 um, that uh, we subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Um, and I'm going to be told about it again in page 94. So when, I, when we get to this point, we shouldn't be surprised that we're going to have to be um, taking really radical extreme action. And that's why um, we are warned, you know, remember that we made a commitment to go to any lengths for our recovery. You know, I know for myself that I went to great lengths for my disease, for my binge foods, and even lengths that I probably wouldn't um, consider going to for my own recovery. And by the grace of God, I've been recovered over, um, over four and a half years, you know, released um, 70 pounds. Um, but I still wouldn't even think about, you know, waking up at, you know, two in the morning to go into a questionable part of town to, I don't know, uh, do a step 10 or take a step 5 or, or whatever. And that's exactly what I did uh, for my disease, you know, going to get my binge foods at the one place that I knew I could get them, um, you know, in the middle of the night in the freezing cold. Um, so these are drastic proposals, but we shouldn't be surprised because we've been told all along and we have been building up to it by going through the steps um, in order from one through eight, and now that we are at step nine, we should be really prepared and ready to, to take, this, to take this, this, this also drastic step because I've seen what my way of doing um, got me. Um, I have seen the pain that have, I have caused to myself and to others, and, and having done that, I should be more than ready to, um, to clean it all up and, and start anew, and with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nessa R. And Judy F., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Oh, thank you. This is Judy F., uh, compulsive overeater, recovered from Massachusetts. Oh, what a great meeting. So this paragraph, we must not shrink. Um, I had one really difficult, uh, scary, scary amends for me to make. And I had done step work um, through different books before, um, in 2003, I, I did a real um, very thorough one with the big book. And I'm so grateful to have mentioned um, that we did the steps before this because I did a thorough uh, four-step and that turnaround pa um, paragraph where I could clearly see my part, which before that, the other step time I did went through the steps, I really didn't see my part in this um, relationship. And it was with my older brother. He was 14 years older than me. And, and he really estranged himself from everybody in the family, even cousins. Um, he broke a lot of um, relationships. He, he hurt people 
um, and he hurt me in, in, in many ways. And so I always got um, people to sponsors to support that it would do me harm if if I went and made amends to him um, because he was um, diagnosed schizophrenic and had um, was very uh, volatile um, with tempers and that sort of thing. But um, when it says in this paragraph, you know, we consult with others, but with my recovered sponsor that's been through this process and, and with God, we prayed about it. And really, um, God was going to protect me with that. And, and I had to be honest, there were lies I was telling myself. I, I truly believed he was not going to hurt me um, physically, you know, maybe emotionally, but God would help me with that. And I had to own my part because I had been defensive. I acted out on him. I called the police on him when I didn't need to do that. There were things that I really did hurt him. And it was an amazing I, I, God brought the situation uh, where I had the courage, um, I had practiced with my sponsor, and I was just willing. And I'm so grateful because we had two years of, you know, not touchy-feely type of relationship, but a peaceful relationship, a, a, a respected. He didn't change. I, I was compassionate toward him. I set my boundaries, and then um, he died so, suddenly. And I was free that at that funeral, I gave him a really nice funeral and with God, with others. And, um, and you know, how free do you want to be? And I felt so free from that. And for years in programs, it was always like, oh, I probably should, but um, I, I was too afraid, really. Um, so I'm grateful for this process. I'm grateful for the big book um, and this the steps, the progress we make when we get to this step, God always has made me ready for it. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Judy F. And Shoshana K., you'll be our last share before we move on. Thank you. Hi, good morning, Kathy. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you so much for your service, Shoshana K. from Maryland, newly recovered. So grateful. Thank you, God. Thank you, a vision for you. I wanted to talk about how it says we must not shrink. For me, that means fear. And back on page 68 and how it works, we talk about how in the middle, towards the end of the page, we never apologize to anyone for depending on our creator. And um, for me, I say the fear prayer, and that comes out of this paragraph where it says all men have of faith have courage, and then it skips down. It says, we ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. And um, I love that because that's what would he have me be? That's what I'm making the amends for to begin with, to, um, to be clean, to be free, to be calm, to be patient, to be tolerant, to be all those things. And um, so grateful for the program. And at the end of that paragraph, it says that once we commence to outgrow fear. So it's an ongoing, everyday process, day by day. Glad to be doing it with everyone. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Shoshana. Okay, I'm now going to ask Penny C. to read the next three paragraphs. Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Kathy. This is Penny C., a recovered compulsive overeater from near Boston. This brings to mind a story about one of our friends. 
While drinking, he accepted a lot, a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt for it. He subsequently denied having received the money and used the incident as a basis for discrediting the man. He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. In fact, his rival was ruined. He felt that he had done a wrong he could never possibly make right. He opened, if he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve those dependent upon him? How could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? After consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion that it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator, guilty of such ruinous slander. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands, or he would soon start drinking again, and all would be lost anyhow. He attended church for the first time in many years. After the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. His action, might, his action met widespread approval, and today he is one of the most trusted citizens of his town. This all happened years ago. And this person is, as far as I know, never really identified in the literature, any of the literature, except to say that he was a group member of the Oxford group. And he was the person who Bill uses as an example, a very good example of, of times that we need to use a formula. And what is the formula? In the paragraph before, just like the big book, gives us always gives us directions. And they're so clear. So the paragraph that we just read before this story gives us five steps to take. And this is exactly what this man did, that he secured their consent, um, and, and, and then he consulted with others. He asked God to help him. Then he was able to see that the drastic step he was about to take really was indicated. And lastly, he did not shrink from whatever the results were going to be. He did not back off. So that's the, the point, I believe, of this whole story, is that we go back when we have a difficult amends to make. We go back and we look at these steps that are given to us so clearly at the top of page 80. And, and that's where we do, need, we do need one or more trusted people, recovered people who can guide us. And, and the most important step I see in there is that he talked to God. He asked God for help. You know, before we make any decision, it's always, um, and I didn't learn this from the big book, but we always need to gather information. We can't make a decision before we have the necessary information that we need. And then just in everyday life, we consult with people that we know 
in the past have guided us in the right direction. So um, that's what this story is all about, and I I think it's perfect. Um, just one other thing, it reminds me, if anyone uh, knows about the Salem witch trials that went on here in Salem, Massachusetts, and um, people were actually hung be- because of their their beliefs. And it was only one of the judges out of four, I believe, who made amends, got up in front of the congregation in his large, large congregation in Boston and actually did make amends. And today there's a giant mural in the Massachusetts State House, in the House of Representatives, showing this man, whose name was Samuel Sewell, showing this man standing up and making amends for what his part was in convicting these innocent people. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Penny C. Um, Who would like to share on these paragraphs? This is Mary. Mary? Mary T. in Vermont. Mary C. Who else? Naomi B. Naomi B. Michelle from Maryland. Leah S. Uh, Leah S. And who was before Leah S.? Rochelle M. from Maryland. Hi, Rochelle. Uh, Anyone else? Okay, let's start with those. I have Mary C., Naomi B., Rochelle M., and Leah S. Please go ahead, Mary C. Hi, this is uh, Mary T. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Um, I just wanted to, I don't usually share on the meeting, and I just wanted to chime in a little bit. Um, I have... I have done step nine. I'm actually back at the beginning steps, but um, just wanted to share that the first time I did some big, difficult amends, I remember sitting on the side of the road calling my sponsor and and different people because I was frustrated that things weren't going my way, that the plan I had had, I had driven very far. I had money to, to give, to donate for some financial amends, and things weren't really working out. And I'm glad that they didn't because... I wasn't quiet, um, and I like that he says that they say, you know, he quietly stood up. I wanted, um, I wanted attention. I was going to make this financial amends during a, a fundraising event, and I thought they're gonna, oh, they're looking, they're gonna see me coming in. They're gonna think, wow, she's great. Um, and that was a big lesson for me. And just day to day, like with my family, you know, I've heard other people share about this. What are, you know, what are my motives? Like truly, um, I have a big ego. We probably all do. And, uh, you know, is that to become closer to God? Is it to have good relationships? Um, Is it for others? Or is it for myself? Is it so that people will see me um, as this great person? And I always just find this story really beautiful. It's definitely brought me to tears a few times to to imagine that happening and and, um, keeping in mind that the intention of of these steps and any work that I'm doing is to to draw closer to God. And that's that's it for me. Thanks. Thank you, Mary T. And Naomi B., please go ahead. Press star one, Naomi. Okay, that's better. Can you hear me now? I can. Okay, thank you, Kathy. Thank you for your service. And good morning, my fellow visionaries, my family visionaries. This is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Well, 
this working this working these steps had brought up two particular points from my past. And reading in this paragraph, it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator guilty. And then underneath it said, it saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he would soon start drinking again. Well, what it's brought up, and I did share the other day, and I came to a resolution with my sponsor that um, I had worked for a drugstore, a chain drugstore, and because there were other cashiers, you know, ringing each other up, that, you know, instead of paying for the ten articles, I'd pay for four or five. So, um, and it didn't. I mean, I did my steps before a few years ago. That never came up. But rereading this now, it brought two particular things into my mind. And so I didn't know what I was going to do because I wanted to be free, free of all the guilt. I wanted to totally clear away the wreckage of the past, and I was determined to do that. I didn't know how. The one store is not in existence anymore. It's another chain that's taken it over. So what the outcome is, and with discussing with someone, a spiritual advisor, and then running it past my, um, my darling sponsor, I am going to send a donation to St. Jude, uh, <coughs> <Saint> Jude Hospital. <coughs> Excuse me, St. Jude Hospital, in honor of this other person that I knew in a in a retirement home. And I'm going to send it away, and it's going to be a complete. I babysit, and I I get a little money each week, and it's going to be the complete pay. And it's just such a freedom. And I'm going to send it, and I'm going to write a little note how I'm doing a, a ninth step and how this is restitution. And, you know, it. we're on this journey, and it never ends. And I thank you, God. I don't want it ever to end. And whatever else comes up from my past, let it come up. Because with God's help, we'll di- we will deal with it di- directly. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B., and Rochelle M., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you for your service. This is Rochelle M. in Maryland. I find it very difficult to share on this paragraph because, uh, for personal reasons, I, uh, there's, I know someone in my family who, whose reputation was destroyed because of somebody else's uh, evil. I guess I have to call it evil. And uh, to this day, they're still suffering from what this other person has done. So the problem that I have with this with the story is I think it's it's the right thing to do to apologize and if he he damaged this person uh privately or publicly and this is an example of someone who in, who uh destroyed someone by I guess by slander or whatever he did to his rival that um he apologized publicly and admitted that what he had done wrong but if he destroyed this other person's business I don't see anything indicating that he did anything to make restitution for destroying someone's um, livelihood. And uh, I I find that peculiar and uh, not going far enough. So um, I I really don't understand why it doesn't go further, but that's my comment on this this story. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Rochelle. Um, And Leah S., please go ahead. 
Thank you. Thank you, Kathy, and thank you all of my dear fellows. Um, I'm Leah S. from Brooklyn, New York, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, This is a process until we finally get to step nine, and it was very, very difficult for me to go and say and do my amends for over 39 years for someone that I was so resentful at and had so much, so many grudges. Um, but this is, again, as I stated before, a process. So in this process, by the time I had come to step nine, I had already let go, let go of many of my resentments because the results were not in my hand. And as I was doing my amends, I said to myself and to dear God, the results are not in my hand. I have to do my part, and I do it with complete compassion and with love, because that is who Leah is today. And it 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 made me neutral it did not you know it did not produce the results that i that i wanted you know you know we all dream of something but it made me neutral it made me be able to continue facing life without that 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 bad negativity of of that resentment brings to me and with that, I'm, I was able to continue and continue until today. It is, it is not love, but it is, it is a good feeling. It's like a, a hopeful feeling. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah S. Uh, we have time for one more two-minute share. Is there anyone who would like to take it? Linda R. Great. Go ahead, Linda. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service today. Linda R. Recovered in North Carolina. You know, I just uh, turned I turned on this program like about 15 minutes ago and the ninth step, you know, the direct amends and um, the information gathering prior, you know, doing all my steps and uh, coming to terms with a lot of, you know, things that happened in the past, especially, you know, the amends with my sister who... You know, as a child, I grew up in, she was mentally ill and had a lot of, you know, issues as a result of it. And uh, as I was growing up, because of my ego and self-seeking and self-centeredness, I, you know, did a lot of inappropriate things regarding, you know, my my ownership in the family. Anyway, what happened was, you know, when I came into program and I started to sponsor, I started getting very challenging people and I just couldn't deal with it because I did not have, what you know, after I did fourth step and turnarounds, I learned that I needed to have, not to need, but God helped me have empathy and compassion because of the closeness of my relationship with God. And as a result of that, you know, I'm I'm making restitution because, you know, to to make direct amends to her would injure her or others because, you know, she's not well. So my, what I'm trying to share today is my restitution is helping others that do have mental illness and going out in the community because now that I have this solid, you know, wonderful form of program and I'm recovered. I'm able to have that 
before I did not have that information. So I don't know, you know, I'm rambling, but like I feel it's so in, inside of my soul that now I have empathy and compassion for a person like my sister who's not well, and I can be of service and help them. And that's the way I restitute today. Thank you. Thank you, Linda R. And it's now time to close our meeting. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Anita J., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. I'd be happy to. This is Anita J., recovered out in Massachusetts, and thank you, Kathy, for your service and all the shares today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.